0: Welcome back to Dawn of the Geeks. In these guides, we explore the evidence-based strategies and tools that can help us along our shared journey of living healthier, happier, more productive lives. Today, we're going to examine how many of us suffer from toxic productivity. We're bound to associate productivity with positivity. It means we're crushing our to-do list. We're making the most of our day. We aren't wasting time. But what happens when our obsession with getting things done goes too far? We fall into the trap of toxic productivity. What is toxic productivity? Toxic productivity happens when productivity goes wrong, when we go beyond realistic expectations and become fixated on constant productivity. We believe that we should use every one of our waking moments for some meaningful action or result. There's nothing inherently wrong with enjoying getting things done. A neurotransmitter called dopamine makes crossing things off our to-do list feel good. But we can think of toxic productivity more as an addiction to productivity. It comes above everything else in our life. Our physical health, mental health, quality of time with family, and leisure time spent on doing hobbies we enjoy. Even worse... That relentless pace and always-on attitude aren't sustainable and lead to increased anxiety, damage to personal lives and relationships, and workplace burnout, which is so prevalent it's considered an occupational phenomenon. Where's the line between a healthy desire to maximize our time and a dangerous focus on getting things done? Here are five signs we're falling into the toxic productivity trap. One, we set unrealistic expectations, finish that massive report, clean our car, prepare a five-course meal, run a marathon, and solve a medical mystery. It's all in my day's work. We aren't ones to set realistic goals. Our self-imposed expectations are ambitious, or dare we say, impossible. Two, we feel guilty because of our work. Those expectations don't just set an unreasonable finish line. Instead, they set us up for overwhelming guilt. When we don't manage to conquer our unattainable plans, it's more days filled with shame. We convince ourselves that it's not our workload that's the issue. It's us. Cue the cycle of self-loathing for not being as focused or efficient as we should be. Three, we feel anxious during downtime. Sit on the couch, lay in a hammock, or read a book, take a leisurely walk. No way, no how. Any moment spent relaxing inspires restlessness and nail-biting. So what good is it in our time? Four, our success feels meaningless. When we do manage to achieve something, it's often not accompanied by a sense of fulfillment or accomplishment. Instead, we want to do more so we quickly move on to the next thing in our never-ending list. Five, we feel fatigued and zapped of energy. All that productivity is exhausted and we can only spin the hamster wheel so hard for so long before we reach the point of total burnout. After that, it feels like we are trudging through a swamp when we do anything. How can we overcome our toxic productivity? Did going over those red flags make us nod and think, we have a raging addiction to productivity? Rest assured, that's not a life sentence. Instead, there are steps that we can take to climb out of our toxic productivity trap and avoid it altogether in the future. We need to separate our self-worth from our work. Easier said than done. So much of our identities are our careers. It's why, what do you do, is often the first question we ask when meeting someone new. But while hustle culture and our modern working world inspire us to believe that our value is rooted in our productivity, that's not the case. There's a big difference between what we do and who we are, so detaching our self-worth from our to-do list is crucial for learning to shut it off. Here are some practical steps we can take. Challenge yourself to not default to asking about someone's career when we meet them, and instead ask them about their interests. Dedicate time to non-work-related hobbies, passions that make us feel good. Set and Stick to healthy boundaries. Today's constant connectivity allows us to work anywhere and any when, but it also means that we can work everywhere and every when. Excessive hours become the norm when people shifted to remote work. These days, 70% of employees admit that they work weekends now that we are working from home. Another 45% say that they regularly work more hours than they previously had. When our list of tasks is always taunting us from around the corner, it's more important than ever to set and maintain healthy boundaries to ensure that our work responsibilities don't creep in and consume our time. What can we do to address this? Well, we can create a simple end-of-the-workday routine like reviewing our calendar for the next day and clearing all of those used coffee mugs from our desks. This will signal to our brain that it's time to switch out of work mode, block out our calendar to reserve adequate time for relaxation, hobbies, and time with loved ones. Let's build buffers into our schedule. It's challenging to disengage from toxic productivity, If we constantly have deadlines breathing down our necks, when an end date is looming, especially a tight one, we feel increased pressure to keep working until the task is done. We aren't suggesting we toss our calendar into the trash bin and kiss any schedule. Goodbye. On the contrary, deadlines are essential for holding teams accountable and keeping work on track. Instead, stick with deadlines but add some extra time into the schedule. Estimate how long a task will take and add at least a day or two or even more. Then we won't feel like we're constantly under the wire and if we don't end up needing the buffer then we can use that wiggle room to do something else. What are some practical steps we can take to build these buffers? Well we can use a time tracker to grasp better how long specific tasks take us. That will help us be more realistic when setting deadlines and building buffers. Resist the urge to equate our free time or the time we blocked off for other activities as our buffer. Our buffer needs to come from our dedicated work time. It shouldn't steal from what we have set aside for relaxation and leisure. And finally, learn to say no N-O, no, is a short word, but a tough one. Some of us struggle to say no because we want to avoid conflict or not be a disappointment. Others get gratification from being the yes person who handles anything. If we keep piling our plates too full, we won't resolve or combat toxic productivity. Turning things down is never easy, but we must stop overloading ourselves so we don't have to crank and crank to manage that workload constantly. Combine this with our healthy boundaries. Try and say no but. It's maybe easier to stomach than a full flat refusal. For example, no, I can't have this done by Monday, but we should be able to do it by Friday. Mental tool to help with this. the use of priority matrices to categorize our tasks and responsibilities. We need to identify which ones can be deleted from our list entirely. A priority matrix or the Eisenhower method is a simple four-quadrant grid for organizing our thoughts and upcoming tasks. We'll get into it in another guide. Let's focus on the practice of meaningful self-care. Self-care is making time for behaviours and activities that help us be the happiest, healthiest versions of ourselves. For some people, that's a bubble bath or a relaxing massage. For others, it's playing a game, going for a hike, or reading a book. The key here is to identify the self-care practices that feel right to you. Maybe it's exercise. Maybe it's vegging out on the couch. Maybe it's getting enough hours of sleep. There isn't one right way to do self-care, provided it makes us feel good. Practical steps we can take. Set aside dedicated time in our weekly schedule for self-care. Our brains thrive with constant routines. Making regular self-care a habit rather than an indulgence is the key to success with it. Plan a regular self-care activity with someone we enjoy like a weekly walk with a close friend. You'll have more accountability to stick with that routine while also getting quality time. And now here's a big one, do nothing. Seriously, here's the challenge. Sit, zero, zip, zilch, now. We can't listen to an educational podcast or sort through mail or brush our dog, seriously. Our self-care goal right now, with the nothing challenge, is to do nothing. You're going to start by feeling a little itchy or uncomfortable. Learning to do nothing at all is a skill in and of itself. I'll go into it more in depth in another guide. We'll cover its benefits and research behind it. For now, no. It is often one of the best ways to snap out of the mindset that we should always, always, always be accomplishing something. If we feel uneasy, take comfort that doing nothing is sneakily productive. Research shows that adequate rest makes us more creative and better problem solvers. Practical steps we can take. Start small and set a timer for 5 or 10 minutes. It will help us ease into the concept of being inactive. Productivity should be positive. The ultimate goal of productivity is to generate results. But if what we're generating is a heap of stress and persistent feelings of inadequacy, is this version of productivity all it's cracked up to be? There's a better way. Breaking with the hustle culture and toxic productivity means we can go back to getting things done in a way that, makes us feel delighted, not depleted. That's all for this time. Thanks for listening to Dawn of the Geeks. We love going over these guides with you. That's all for this time.